just don't touch a thing. <laughs> We've been having some serious technical difficulties and then it finally started working and we realized we have 30 minutes. So this Dude. is going to be a power hour. A power half hour on top of no coffee this morning. That's just too much. It just puts me over the edge. Yeah, it's okay. You can be in a bad mood if you have no coffee. I, I really deeply relate to that. So we're going to hold space for you today. I appreciate that. You know, that's something I let myself be like upset and be mad. There, You know, there's a show called Mr. Rogers. One of the things he was saying in his show was trying to teach kids, you know, it's okay to be mad. It's what you do with your mouth. Yeah, I'm grouchy and I'm grumpy. It's what I do with it that I try to manage. No coffee and technical difficulties? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. And I find it so annoying when people are like, oh, you don't live in a war zone. Stop being upset about your coffee. But no, like it's it's okay to be annoyed about the coffee. I'm there yes, with you. Yes, right. I think that's the perfect place to start because I love my mother to pieces. But she does minimize. Like she does say it could be worse. Like you don't live in Syria, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like crying on the floor like that doesn't help me right now. <laughs> because what message is that really sending you? No one's saying it, but what message is that sending? That I don't really have grounds to feel the feelings that I'm feeling. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Stop feeling that way. Without saying that. Yeah, so everyone listening, I put out a TikTok recently, which went viral. That's what we're going to jam on today. And it went like this. I wish I'd learned sooner that, of course, my mother knows how to push my buttons because she is the one that installed them. And it got me thinking, like, yeah, I mean, who in this world can really wind you up as much as your mum, no matter how much you love them? My mum can wind me up more than anyone else in this whole world without even meaning to. I want to go in with some like understanding, like psychologically what's going on, and then also even potential tools to say, okay, in your mother-daughter relationship, and I think we should stick with mother-daughter. I don't normally do that. I try to normally make it across the board. I think it's still a value if you have daughters, right? Female-female is different. It just, it just is. And so we want to understand psychologically what's going on there. And at the same time, what, what can you do about it now? Because the one thing we want to make sure we're doing is we're not sitting here being like, it's all mom's fault. We are blaming mom for everything. No, no, no. We want to look back at our past. We want to have some understanding. Oh, this makes a lot of sense. Why I felt this way, why I react this way. And then we come back and we still say at the present moment, what I do with it going forward, that's my responsibility. And that's up to me. I think one of my favorite things about my therapy journey is I went in thinking, and partially because of my mom, thinking, oh, my dad my dad has deeply impacted me, you know, daddy issues, father wound, et cetera, et cetera. Like so many of us just latch on to this like daddy issues trend, which don't get me wrong, so many of us have suffered from and myself deeply too. And it doesn't mean I don't love and care for my father, but there were limitations. And throughout this focus on daddy issues, I feel like actually I really overlooked the relationship with my mum. And just recently I've started to look into it and be like, oh my goodness, like the mummy issues that none of us talk about because we're always talking about daddy issues are real. Right. And I mean, that's our normal natural brain too, is to kind of rotate to whatever's the biggest issue, maybe the biggest or the loudest. Or, you know, oftentimes when I'm working with somebody who's really looking at their parents and one of them was an, had an addiction, like a drug or alcohol addiction, that is the focus naturally. However, once we address that and once that starts to come down, not minimizing it, but regulating their body, they realize, oh, Oh, the other parent contributed to it as well. It just wasn't as glare. There wasn't fireworks going off around it. And I think that's what, what you're noticing is to say, okay, I can, there's things going on on both sides. And again, I love what you said. This is not sitting here blaming and bashing because if we stay victimized as this is what they did to me, victimized means that we can honor what is done, but victimized locks me in the past without any desire to move and grow from that. 
And that's really important to say, and that's not to minimize victims, but it's simply to say, if that becomes your identity or if that becomes what you hold on to, then you're living in the past. And often we won't say it, but often we don't want to let go of it because then we'd have to be responsible for our own shit. Yeah. Big, big wow to that. And I think you're right. We're not minimizing the fact that there are victims who have gone through severe abuse and severe distress at the hands of narcissistic mothers or all all types of different mothers. For those outside of that category of people, for those of us who have just been shaped by a mother who loved us the best way she could and sometimes she got things wrong, that's what we're going to jam on today. As I have watched my friends have babies, it's changed my perspective on my relationship with my mother because I think when you're younger, you think, oh, she did this, she did that. I wish she hadn't have done that. She did this. All of a sudden, you're seeing your friends give birth. They have babies and they're being told they can't hold their mobile phones when they're breastfeeding. They need to be looking at their baby. They need to be doing all these things. And I watch them thinking, I don't know if I'm ready for a a child because the amount that a child needs is so much. You know, I watch my friends and I'm like, oh my goodness, it makes me think, no wonder my mother, who was basically functioning as a single parent because my dad worked so hard, was always at work. And when he wasn't, he was always playing golf. And we're not even going to get into that. (laughs) Golf therapy. Therapy from dads that play golf. (laughs) Honestly, we need a whole episode on golf therapy. Honestly, my parents have been on the brink of divorce for 40 years because they need golf therapy for real. (laughs) So I think coming at this with compassion, as well as also understanding that, of course, you're just going to try your hardest, but sometimes, wow, it's just not going to be enough, or you just can't be calm in those moments or you can't control how your personality traits come out we can't change what they did but we can change what we do as mothers is kind of like a good angle to come at it from. absolutely and we are going to leave space for honoring that however we have to have a bigger picture an existential picture of what's going on here whatever your parents learned they did not get perfect parenting and then decide to do what they did they are the product of their parents and their parents are the product of their parents and the further you go back to we've got a lot of people coming over you know if you're in the u.s there were people that were coming from different countries like i know my great grandparents coming over from greece right so you have you have that element as well. My great grandmother was a mail order bride at 14 years of age. Do not tell me that you're not going to have any trauma and have any reaction and how to how to be a good parent when that's how you start your life. That is crazy. Right. Oh right. I'm- so we have to understand there is a progression from generation to generation. What we want to understand in our picture is to say, yep, there might there is things, and again, always exceptions, always exceptions of those extremes. But my parents came in with some of their strengths and how they learned to have some to survive. And they came in from things that were really detrimental and hurtful to me. And I get to be able to look at that and I get to be able to work that out and to be angry and upset. And that's my own journey and my own work. And then I also have the response. I also get to turn now to to if we choose to have children and to be able to say, how can I better that? And there's a concept in psychology and it's called the good enough mother. It's that there's no such thing as a perfect mother, yet somehow we all strive for it. And we're actually looking for good enough. And what are those key components or legs in a good enough mother? And our job is not to produce kids who will have perfect parenting. Because mm-hmm. that is not that is not obtainable. That's impossible. And they will take what they got and then they will say, this is what was hurtful. This is what you did. And then they have the opportunity to turn around and better it and do the same. That mm-hmm. is it. Mm-hmm. That is it. We want to get away from this sense of, of perfection that we hold our parents to and also what we turn and we do to the next generation as well. Okay. So I love the topic of perfectionism because I feel like 
it brings me really nicely into, I guess, a challenge that I have with my own mother. And I want to caveat this episode by saying I'm incredibly close to my mother. I am she is incredible. I love her so deeply. She's been the most wonderful mother to me. We cuddle physically. We talk, you know, we are, we have a great relationship, but we also have a lot of challenges in that relationship. So I just want to be, you know, open and honest about both sides of of, the, of that coin. And I think one of the biggest challenges is that we are very different people because I have my dad's brain, my dad's work ethic. I work like a warrior, a Trojan. I love working. I will sit at a laptop all day. My mum, however, is she is artistic. She is an incredible cook. She's an incredible housewife. She cleans to the verge of having OCD. And I'm on the other end of the spectrum, which is very creative, quite messy, potentially have late diagnosed adult ADHD, where I literally will step out of something and like, won't even realize I've stepped out of it until I look across the floor and there's like five pairs of trousers like in all different areas of the room. <laughs> now, as you can imagine, that is my my mom's absolute worst nightmare. Like I, she can't, we just can't be in the same house of each other because I try so hard to be tidy and I can rationally think, okay, I'm taking my pants off. I'm taking my pants off. Okay, they've hit the floor. Okay, I'm going to pick them up. Okay, I've picked them up. I'm going to, but wherever I put them down, it will be wrong. I could pick them up and put them on the chair, but they should have gone in the bin. Or if they haven't gone in the laundry bin, I should have taken them to the washing machine. So how do you manage these traits that are like so fundamentally different between you, even though you love each other? What do you do when there's just like constant clashes about something that's really difficult to change? That's such a great a great direction to head. And there's another component that makes this more challenging with other women. We leave space for like, oh, you're different and I'm different. We're just different human beings. But when it comes to your mother, it has a different feel. Um, in an overarching uh, overarching scheme, our identity and value we get from dad, which is why we like praise from dad. So we get a sense of protection and a sense of identity and value, this sense of, of value from dad. That's why if your mom is standing by the sidelines of your soccer game and she's like cheering you on, she's like, you're the best. You're amazing. That was the best hit. And you're like, oh, gosh, mom, you always say that. You always say that. You look beautiful. And you're like, I know that means nothing because you would say that if I look, look like shit, right? <laughs> but from your dad, you want that sense. When dad gives you praise, it's like, whoa, right? So we get that sense of value. We get that sense of protection from dad. Again, these are stereotypes, always exceptions. But for mom, we get the sense of nurturing and love. Those are what we try to get in, in a traditional or stereotypical family. And what we want to look at is say, that little girl, and this is why it makes it different than the relationship with your friends. Even if you have a female boss, that will feel different in some ways to the relationship with your mom because it interacts with our little girl. It interacts with our little child. So it's going to trip when we're dealing with that conflict with mom. It is not like this grown, mature, intellectual woman who's also often interacting with mom. It's like my little girl who remembers all those experiences growing up that were hurtful, that made me feel like I, I wasn't like her or I didn't belong. And oftentimes, and so that's why it actually will start is by having clients start by saying, see if you can figure out when it's you interacting with mom and when your little girl kicks in. And I'd start there. And that's why I think a big a part of it is so, is kind of detaching those two. What's left over from childhood and what is me now? I love that you said that I'm actually cl uh, close with my mom as well. Um, we are very different. I'm very much more like my like my father all from the get-go um, and, and not like, very not like my mom at all. Very different characteristics, very different traits. And oftentimes too, as young girls, we're trying 
subconsciously to be like mom. We're trying subconsciously for the most part. And then once we realize, because somebody goes, I'm not, I'm not like her. I'm not like mom. And so trying to find our own identity as a woman, knowing the one woman in my life, I, I'm not like, right? Wow. Or there's, I mean, can, I don't know if that feels like that fits. It feels like it fits, but I feel like I've just had a light bulb moment, which is that, you know, my mother is this cooking, cleaning, filling the fridge, nurturing woman. And I've taken the path in life, which is, yeah, okay, I'm very loving and I'm very nurturing, but I work very hard. I went to boarding school. I never really learned to cook. I never really had to look after myself. I always had enough money to just order delivery and take out. I was very much in like my my father-led value system. And there have been so many times when I have felt like a failure because I can't keep the house the way that my mom keeps it, or I'm mm. not as tidy mm-hmm. as my mom, or mm-hmm. I can't cook like my mom, or I can't even cook anywhere near my mom. Or even if I feel like I can just about keep on top of the washing, the ironing, the returns of the online parcels, like I am never doing enough. I'm never managing a house. And I, I look at her doing everything and I just think, wow, you are, you are amazing how you do that. But also, like you just said, it, it makes me feel like I am not amazing because I can't do that. And then that almost becomes that critical voice yeah. again, reverberating back in your head. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that's where the work becomes to say, how can I honor this sense of saying, like, I like that's who you are. I love those are your characteristics. And these are mine. I mean, everyone has their strengths and everybody has their weaknesses and everybody lives into their strengths. And sometimes when we put a value system of these strengths, or this is what it means to be a, a wife, or this is what it means to be a woman. And then we say, we put this down here. So recognizing that they're just different. There's not, there's not better or worse. But I also want us to talk and, and kind of go into the direction, too, that says, okay, let's say you've come out of your childhood. You now have a voice. You now tend to butt heads a little bit with mom, right? What, what do you do from there? What do you do? And, I'm, and I'd love to start even by hearing your experiences. As you kind of grew and mature into an adult, did you see your relationship with your mom change at all? And then I'd love to share, too, what I kind of coach clients to do as they are becoming like coming into their own and looking at their past wounds from their mom. Oh, great question. And my poor mom and dad, I'm really putting them on blast today because <laughs> we, love, like, you. we yeah, love you. We love you. Because the story that I'm going to share, well, let's just say, let's tie it back to the golf therapy, right? I don't need to go mm. into more details, but my parents would or still do repeatedly live the same cycles over 35 years, 40 years, however long they've been together. Um, and let's just say it's golf, right? My mom doesn't get enough attention because in my dad's free time, my dad plays golf, et cetera, et cetera. Now, when he's away, she comes to me. She's upset. She wants to connect with me. As a young child, as a, as a teenager, of course, you love your mom. You want to help, right? And I feel like for so many years, I took on that role of not even therapist, but just like listening to mom, wanting to help. And then sometimes being like, dad, do you not see what you're doing? Like, if you could just do this, dad, it's so easy. You could just do that. And then mom will feel like this. Going to therapy taught me that that is not my job. And it's not my job. It's just not my job. Like there's no explanation to it. And I don't have to be in that situation and that I can set boundaries. So I think my first response to this question is that, yeah, as I've grown up and as I've gone to therapy, I've been able to set boundaries around things that I don't have to engage with with my mum or things that make me, you know, that's deeply upsetting for me. And I didn't realise because as an adult, I'm in my logical brain talking to her. But really, my inner child inside is like crying on the inside. Like, I just want mummy and daddy to be happy. And if they can just do this, then I can do this. So... I think my first thing is as I've matured, I've, I've put in boundaries, but that's not to say that my mother respects them. 
Right. Yeah. And by the way, when you set boundaries, no, nobody's happy about them. By the way, some people think like, like, you know, oh, it's, this is so hard to work on setting boundaries. And I'm like, well, what were we expecting? Thank you so much for putting up a fence. I really appreciate that. You did a fabulous job putting a fence and putting me on the outside. <laughs> no, nobody's excited by boundaries. We have to kind of prepare that when we're learning how to set those boundaries, we're going to get a pushback. We're going to get someone trying to trample through. Right? You actually brought up something that is really um, important to keep in mind, and that is every family has a cast of characters. Depending how big or how small the family is, you're going to have your different roles that you take subconsciously. Right? You have your rescuer or your mediator. You have your hero. You have your chief. I'm the chief and whatever I say goes. <laughs> you have your scapegoat, the one that's like, oh, that's the problem one. Oh, that's the one always causing problems. Ironically, sometimes the scapegoat, the problem child tends to being the most healthiest in the group, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah. But everyone has their roles. And as we get older, starting to say, well, hold on. I actually get to change those roles and I get to be able to say, I don't know if I want that role anymore in the family. Remember, And so we get to be able to come back and start to challenge that role that we've played in the family and very gracefully and gently with ourselves because we were doing that role in order to survive. We were doing that role in order to learn how to function. We weren't trying to hurt ourselves. We weren't trying to step into the marriage and take on a different role. So we want to have a lot of grace and understanding for ourselves when we do look back at our, at our younger self. I think we should do a whole episode on that because one of the biggest takeaways from me going to therapy is I have changed my placement in the family yes how I show up yes the whole dynamic of the family has changed we are closer than we've ever been and I genuinely think that the vast majority of that is through me going to therapy because I'm no longer angry I no longer feel rejected left out etc etc now I'm just calm and I'm able to set boundaries I'm able to step away when there's conflict and it's fully changed everything so I would love us to go into that I will do one. We'll do one full episode on the cast of characters and saying, and you have the ability to change it. It's, it's challenging. It is hard work. You can change your role. You can be caring and loving and still set boundaries. So let's talk to you about, all right, what do you do as you're getting older? What do you do with those leftover childhood wounds? And this is the part that I, you, you hear me talk a lot about the cupcake. And that is that we need to be looking at, because oftentimes then we go into our relationship or we go into our friendships with girls, or we go into our relationship with our partner we were often bringing with us these leftover wounds from childhood. And oftentimes we are expecting our partner to fill the entire, all of our needs. And often they're not needs for them to fill. And that's why I use the analogy of a cupcake. It's like sometimes we expect them to be the entire cupcake. In actuality, we are to tend to some leftover needs from childhood. That is for us to tend to. That is for us to build this internal parent that can go back and say, I need to work on this. this is a great thing to do in therapy is to be able to say, I need to work on tending to some of these needs that I think were left over. Over. That cake is mine so that my partner is just the icing on the cake. So whether they are there or not, I am still okay. Right. Oh. If not, then you will blame your partner for not meeting all of your needs that they are not physically capable of actually meeting. Why? Because often of them, often they're from their your little girl, right? So let me case in point. I was one of five kids. Love my mom. I think my mother and your mother would get along fantastic. Woman can like, <laughs> she can cook a spread and feed 200, like on the spot. Like the woman knows hospitality. She knows how to keep a house. Great with little kids, right? However, I was this like wild child who was like running out the door one day with like hair, hair to the wind, wrinkled clothes. And she's like, I can iron that for you. But one of the things that was really left over from my childhood, and it's not, you can say my mother did a fantastic job. I know she cared for me and loved me. But with five kids, I did not get her. 
I did not physically get her. I remember thinking, gosh, I wish I could just lay my head on my mom's lap and just feel her brush my hair. But with five kids, she was so busy. She did not sit still. And she was very active. She was that mom that was up running in the morning doing a little Jane Fonda tape. I remember doing leg lifts with my mom on the ground, right, at a very young age. But what I did not get was the being held. I did not get just that sense of I'm not going anywhere. You can take your time. You don't need to move off my lap. Mm. And that was a wound I had to go back and fill to say, how do I hold myself? How do I tend to myself? Because I still have this little girl that just needed to have that mom say, we can stay as long as we want. You don't have to go anywhere. One that would crawl in bed with me and just not leave for a while. Mm. Right. And so that's mine to fill, though. That's mine. Mm. And if I don't work on filling that, then I want that from my partner or I will want that from my kids. I will get try to get it elsewhere. Mm. I love the concept of not only are these wounds or gaps ours to fill, but so are the reactions. And I think as I've matured, two things here. Firstly, I've understood that physical boundaries are great for me and my mum. So when we are together and I'm in her house, I will do everything within my capability to respect her space, to live within under her roof in the way that she wants to. You know, yes, I'm messy. Yes, I want to leave my stuff all over the floor. But how much is it to ask that if I'm staying at home for two days that I just really try to just fit in with her house and her rules. Now, that just feels like, for me, the least that I can do. And, of course, some people will say, you shouldn't have to do that. You should just be yourself. But for me, everything in life is about compromise. And when I go home and I'm with her, I will spend quality time with her and I will really try hard to connect with her. But at the same time, the reaction and the triggers outside of those moments, if we don't meet in the middle on a compromise... I just have to really manage those. You know, I remember when I was younger, my mum said to me, do you really need to eat that second plate of mac and cheese? And that has given me like issues for life, basically. Still today, like if I'm going into the fridge, I feel my little child feels my mum watching me, feels that she's basically, it feels like she's saying you're fat, you don't need that, which is not what she was saying. But she was in so, so many ways saying, you know, kind of, you don't re- I didn't really need it because it was a soothing thing, right? I didn't need the food. I just needed the, I needed a hug from my mum, probably. Mm-hmm. And what I mm-hmm. was eating instead was the mac and cheese. But yeah, like you said, the cupcake is ours to manage. The wounds are ours to manage, but so are the reactions. And in that moment, when I open the fridge, I can talk to myself and I can say, you're an adult, you can snack, you deserve to nurture and nourish your body. You are healthy. You have a good relationship with food. You take out the chocolate and you enjoy it. You know, and my mom would never say anything because it isn't something she said often. It's just stuck with me. Right, right. So, okay, this is perfect segue for us to switch into. All right, let's give let's give some tips that help with your relationship with your mom. Right there, you named compromise. You also named setting boundaries as far as limiting. If your mom is really, really challenging for you, limit the amount of time. Or if you are spending time with her, build in like go to the bathroom. Go to the like, I'm going to go to the store and get ice, build in little breaks so that your body get breaks and you can limit the amount of time, right? So right away, we got two, two right off the bat. I want to add to that too. You can do what's called a track back. Um, I've taught about this before. A track back is learning new communication with mom that simply says, you know what, mom? When I open the refrigerator and you kind of look at me sideways, let me tell you what let me tell you what goes on in my body. So I'm not attacking them. If we attack, then we just go back into our dance and our circle that we know very well. A track back is taking an event, taking something into set or done, and tracking it back. And I'll say, I'm not attacking you. I'm just letting you know what's going on in my body. I open the refrigerator. You look at me sideways, and what my body feels is I that this is something I'm not loved. 
or this is somebody who's like really disappointed in what I'm doing and I don't like the way that feels. And so I track it back into my body and I can start to have different kind of communication with mom as well. My question for you is what do other people do when like their mom calls them all the time, for example, or they feel like they can't do anything without their approval because I'm very, very independent, always have been, have lived all around the world. But often I'm very busy at work. My mom will call me. I feel such immense guilt when I either don't pick up the phone or I pick up the phone and I'm like, yeah, I'm good. You good? What, like basically why are you calling me? Like I, I'm, it's obviously 10 o'clock on a Tuesday morning. Like I'm not free to talk. I'm working. So, and I have a best friend as well who her mom, whenever there's a problem, she comes to her and it's just a lot on top of like the lives that we live. Would you again just say that that's just communicating like this doesn't make me feel good and like setting a boundary there? Right, exactly. And and I would encourage that communication, but also we want to be careful of what's called either a meshed or symbiotic relationships. Symbiotic relationships, symbiosis is when a cell is splitting. And when a cell splits, before it completely splits and becomes two individual cells, it hits this symbiotic state, which is I have two individual cells, but I still have all, everything's moving in between both. It's like an umbilical cord between two cells. Often we can end up in symbiotic relationships with just the sense that I feel this, like almost an umbilical cord cord between mom and I, or mom feels, or we can feel they have this and this sense. And we want to be able to say, what does it look like to have an individuated relationship? Individuation, that, that's the opposite of that is a meshment. And that sense of, no, I can have two individual cells. And at the same time, if, if you're not doing okay, I'm still okay. Right. And that sense of like, if you don't get a hold of me, you will still be just fine. And so we want to create these healthy relationships that say I can be close. And at the same time, we do not have to have an umbilical cord between us. Right. And so we want to be able to say, how do I do that? Oftentimes it's by setting boundaries. Sometimes it's with words. Sometimes it's just by simply saying, I'm just not going to pick up the phone until I have space to be able to talk to them. The other thing that I want to add that we can often do as we get older is realizing that there, it, this is a challenge. This is a, a little bit of a controversial thought for a lot of people, but there can be parts of us that we do not show our mom. And let me explain to this. Sometimes as a kid, we're just wanting to be like, this is who I am. Like, this is who I am. And we desire our mom to accept all of us, especially if we're like, wild child, bat out of hell. Like, you know, there's a sense that says, this is who I am. And I'm wanting my mom to be like, oh, all this mess, you, I like love all of you, right? Mm -hmm. There is space for you to be here. But oftentimes, if we can realize, I don't know if that works with the kind of mom that I have, Look, case in point. So my mom, very, very strict, conservative Christian upbringing, and she would said, I've watched a few of your TikTok videos. And I said, you did? And she said, yeah, I listened to a podcast, but I, I really... I really think that TikTok is just making you swear so much more. And, and, she, and she's asked me not to swear around her, right? And I'm thinking in my head like, oh, no, I've just, I just haven't shown you that part of me. You don't get that part of me. So I've always limited that part so that she doesn't get to know that part of me that has a mouth on me. Because that's not something that she can accept. And there are different parts of my life um, you know, and I won't go into the other ones, but they're there. You can use your imagination with a very strict Christian mother. What other parts of my life she doesn't get to hear about, <laughs> namely, namely my sex life, <laughs> because like there's a sense of realizing like part of me, see, as a young child, I'm trying to push forward this, accept all of me. And then there's part of me that goes, no, I, how do I get to this place where I accept all of me and I'm sad that you don't get to see all of me. Mm, oh, and that's goodness. okay. And that's okay. Yeah. 
that hit me it, hard because my mom is the opposite. She loves me for all my mess. She knows everything. Oh, she knows my it. deepest, darkest secrets. Like I've called her when I'm in crisis, like really bad shit that you would like really never share with your mom. Like, you know, we have a healthier, it's pretty individuated. Like we're not in mesh. Yes. It's generally, it's generally a good relationship, but taking what you experience, I have that with my brother. Like mm. he makes me feel like I'm too much and I'm too loud or I'm too talking about sex on my podcast, you know, yes. and I held so much shame around that for so long. And like you said, it's about learning. Actually, what I learned in therapy is that my brother is never going to love me in the way that my mother loves me. That's just okay. never going to happen. Okay. And that's okay. I need yes. to be okay with that. And we're going to find our own way to love each other. But ultimately, I have to not be ashamed of who I am because yes. of him. Yes. And that's where it comes back to. And this is that why like learning to tend to ourselves, learning to love ourselves, learning to give our voice, like, hold on before what someone else thinks of me, before I give them all the power, what do I think of me? I'm the one that has to live in this body. What do I think of myself? And when I continue to work on that self relationship, that nurturing relationship with self, then I'm able to come over here and say, yeah, I, I'm sad. I'm sad that you don't get to see all of me. Like you could say to your brother or have that, like I actually mourn the fact that you don't get to see these parts of me that I really like. And at the same time, here's, here's the pieces you can see of me. Right. And yeah. we get to also take that into our relationships with like, for instance, with my girls, I probably over rotate on this, but I'm like, I just want, you to know, you can tell me anything. And then sometimes they share stuff and I'm like, oh, good Lord. Did I asked, did I ask for this? Did I, ask, <laughs> did, I, did I really want to know what's going on in college right now? I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I want to know what's going on right now. Right. <laughs> I really wanted like to give what your mom gave you, which is sense of like, I'm your space, no judgment, zero judgment. I love you no matter what, right? I love you no matter what. And then live that out. Yeah. And I think on the judgment point, it's interesting because there's, feels like there's so much judgment from my mom, but never in that direct one-on-one -on -one crisis space. Like oh, interesting. when there's a crisis, whatever happens, it's fine. She'll love me. I could do anything. She'll love me forever. She tells me that all the time. But in day-to-day -day life, that I feel like there's judgment about how I manage my house, about how I don't spend more time doing X, Y, Z, how if I just did this, if I just did that, everything would be easier, how I shouldn't just pay everyone to do everything. I should just load the dishwasher myself. You know, that's a bad example. Of course, I load the dishwasher <laughs> myself, but, you know, we're, we're just so different. And I think wait, that- Wait, we can pay someone to do that? <laughs> well, yeah. I, I <laughs> wait, hold on, wait, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> I literally just like leave all my dishes stacked up and then I let her it's so bad like I can't even put that on the podcast but whatever like yeah I mean I think it just comes back to compromise there are moments when I look at my dishes yeah. stacked up there that I've left for my cleaning lady and I think and maybe this is like a nice point to move into towards the end of the episode is that underneath the criticism underneath the judgment my mom always says that it all comes from a place of her just wanting me to be able to navigate life okay yeah. Don't yeah. get me wrong. There's a lot of ways that she could do it differently, that she could deliver right. it differently. Right. But also as I get older, my mom's right about a lot of things. You know, mums right. have lived life. And in our 20s, we don't care. You know, sometimes she just such stupid things. Like she told me, oh, you, you overbrush your teeth. Like I hear you brushing them for way too long and you're going to have an issue with your gums. And obviously I'm like, oh, shut up. Like another thing that you're criticizing me about. I can't even brush my teeth properly. You know, in a child, like triggered as hell. Right, around, there's your like, little girl. Yeah, yeah, little girl being like, I can't even brush my teeth properly. Oh. <laughs> and then I go to the dentist and they're like, oh, I think you're brushing your teeth too much. And I'm like, fuck, my mom's right. Like sometimes mom is right. So yes, yes. like yes, yes, she can yes. criticize. Yes, she can judge me. But 
also as I get older, I'm holding space for the fact that she's also done a lot more life than me and she is trying to help sometimes. Right. And the more, I think the more we work on the individuation, the more that I love the analogy of boats. I use that a lot to say like the more we realize like they're on their boat and I'm on my boat. Their boat, what mom's doing, not my ship not my boat. We can come over, we can talk. I can say, yeah, I, I, you know, mom could be on her side of the boat being like trying to critique, but we do not mom. We don't want mom to throw a plank and walk over onto our boat. Not my boat, right? Ships, you can run as a fleet, but you also have the freedom to be able to kind of veer off and take your own path and decide if you want to come back, but not my boat. When you leave, when you become an adult, uh, an adult, you get off their boat and you get on your own boat. The problem is there's some boats that like still like stay, they all stay tethered together. Or if Mm. one boat goes down, all the boats are going down. Healthy Mm. boats, healthy fleets say, I can stay on my boat. I can look at your boat and I can say, I'm frustrated. I'm sad. I'm sad at where your boat's headed. I'm sad at the condition of your boat because it's taken on water not my boat i actually don't have anything else to say i think that is like the pinnacle of this episode that is like such a good analogy that is so powerful because you're right with everyone in the family unit they need to be able to survive on their own but they yes. also need to be able to work together as a fleet exactly exactly that's that, that oh i got chills i have goosebumps that's <laughs> that combination it's not like we're all enmeshed in on the same boat and it's not like we're all rogue and going our separate ways but a healthy balanced family and again this means all the boats are got to be healthy as well but there is this sense that says we're all on our own boats and there's space for movement and change. And I can also say, how you doing over there? I'm here. I care about you. And at the same time, not my boat, mm. not my boat. And I'm responsible for the update and the maintenance of my own boat. Wow. Right? I, we actually do need to wrap up because yeah. I do have to switch back to, to, to seeing a client, but real quickly as we're closing up, I want to pitch an idea. Okay. So this little like 30 minute pop hour that we have, I'm going to, I think we should set up something like tacos, Tito's and therapy, like triple T. We knock it out. Like it's just this something that's like, come join us for, for tacos, a drink and a little therapy talk. Like something that's this little pop. I think, I think so too. We need like a little, we need a little title. And also I'm in London where they have the worst tacos ever, but I'm going back to Mexico in a couple of weeks. So it's going to be perfect. I'll be out there at the taco truck. live. I think that's why I think we should have people either grab a taco, grab a cocktail and come join us is where I think we need to go and talk therapy. So fun. I'm going to bring my sexy Mexican boyfriend and just sit him next to me as my Mexican prop. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. If you do that, though, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I'm, I might not be able to contain myself to go into a little couple's therapy. I just can't help it. It's just kind of like oozes out. Tell me, how, how are you, how's the communication between the two of you? <laughs> do you know what? We can do a live couple's therapy session one day. That would be juicy as hell. He'd be Oh, my gosh. Sure. Don't get me excited. That's the stuff I live for. <laughs> You're amazing. I'll see you next episode. All right. So, talk to you Take soon. Care. Bye. 